one, two, three. Can you hear me? Okay, good. Good evening. Good evening. How are y'all? Brother Shelby is enjoying his vacation, I hope. This afternoon, he said he was knee-deep in, in his mother's goods. They were going through them. I told him, I said, you were really serious, huh? And he, he said, yeah. So, uh, and, and, and Colton and, I think Colton and uh, Clayton are on their way back from a conference. So, he asked me to kind of speak to you tonight. And he asked me to... to basically go over the same subject that I did at the men's breakfast, which is a subject that's real close to my heart. It, the subject is the sonship of God through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Uh, as Christians, as Christians we, we fight every day to live, to live a spiritual life because the world is, is always, the world's constantly against us. Uh, the scripture reading for tonight, which I will get to in a minute, I'm gonna lay a little, a little groundwork first, but the scripture reading is found in Romans 8, verses 12 through 17. <laughs> but first I'd like, to, I'd like to turn over to Galatians 5, Start and read verses 19 through 21. Because this, these two verses explain what we face in this, in, in this fleshly world that we live in. Paul was instructing the Galatians of what, of what they ought not do, how they ought not be. And it's, it's starting in verse 19, it says, now the works of the flesh are evident which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contention, jealousies, outburst of wrath, selfish ambition, dissension, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and, and the likes, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, this list, this list of unsavory qualities, these are the qualities that is, man is cursed with because of the sin of Adam. And when you live in the world, these are the things that you have to fight each and every day in some form. And... In order, in order to live a spirit-filled life, you have to be identical in, in character to Jesus Christ, which we know is humanly impossible. And so that's the reason why Jesus had to come and be born. 
Another thing that I found in my study is a lot of, you know, a lot, they say a lot of people have trouble with, with the, the idea of the Trinity. God, Father, and the Holy Spirit. Well, God in his ultimate wisdom and Jesus in his ultimate wisdom and the Spirit, these three working together as three different individuals have, God has allowed his plan for our salvation to be accomplished through their works. And God planned this from the very start. The, uh, we know as Christians that it's humanly impossible for us to, to be identical to Christ. Because Christ was born to set the perfect example. He was born to be the perfect example of what is known as the fruits of the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit, which are found in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. This is the way that a Spirit-filled person should live. These are the qualities that they should have. In, in, in verse 22, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such there is no law. And those who are Christ, who are, are Christ have sacrificed the flesh with the passions and desires. And we live in the Spirit. Let us also walk in the Spirit. Now, these qualities are broken into three, into three categories. There's the upward category, there's the upward qualities of the fruits of the Spirit. That's love, joy, and peace. There's the outward qualities, which are long-suffering, kindness, and goodness. And then there's the inner qualities, which are faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The, the, the Jesus, Jesus came to be an example of these fruits. To be a perfect example of these fruits. No man could live a perfect life and stand before God, the Father, and account for the cost of sin. We all know that. But that is why Jesus had to come. That's why through God's plan that his son stepped out of heaven being fully godly and was born fully man in order to set an earthly example for man. <coughs> now, the primary characteristic that, that identifies the believer in Christ is love. And love is, in the spirit is spirit given, the kind of love that God portrays, that Jesus portrayed, is not the kind of love that we're used to in this world, as we all know. 
But the thing about it is, this love and these other qualities of the fruits of the Spirit are interwoven in who God is and who Jesus Christ is. It's interwoven in their, in their, in their being. They can't be any other way. That's who they are. And what Jesus, when Jesus came and was, and was a perfect example and lived out these qualities in everyday life, taught his disciples about these qualities, went to the cross and died, was buried and was resurrected for these qualities so that man, by trusting in what Christ had done, by trusting in that, would be able through the Holy Spirit to be able to to have those same qualities woven into his nature, into his heart, only through the Holy Spirit, no other way. Because when we, whenever we get to our scripture reading, you'll see Paul addresses why it's so important for, for Christ and the Holy Spirit to be the center of our being. But God's love is not a love that is subject to whims, emotions, or, or, or circumstances. He's got an unconditional love. He's got the kind of love that you find in a wife who stands by her husband who's cheating on her. He's got the kind of love that stands by a preacher when one of his, when, when, when one of his loved ones offends him. He's got the kind of love that a victim chooses to love even his persecutor. This is the kind of love that, has, that, that is void of emotion. It's, it's part of who God is. And he, he wants it to be part of who we are. Now, there's a, there's a verse that I think in the Bible that we all know, we learned it when we were kids, but it shows this so vividly. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so we would not perish but have everlasting life. That two little letter word is the biggest word in the Bible, I think. Because God not only loved us, but by us accepting Christ, he sowed those fruits of the spirit into our heart through accepting Christ. That so is spelled differently, but I think that's what God meant. He so loved the world. He loved the world. He, loved us. he loves us so much. I can't even explain it. This is, the, this is the closest to explaining that I can come to. And, and it's, it's, and it's the same love that Jesus had. It's the same love that when they were beating him and they were driving nails in his hands and feet, when they were piercing him, when they put thorns on his head, 
It was the same love that if you could have looked in his eyes, you would have seen love because he, had, because he, or he wouldn't have said, forgive them for they know not what they do. He loved every person. Why? Because he knew what he was dying for. That was more important to him, satisfying the will of the Father than anything that the earth could do to him. Now, the love of God also is a love that seeks restoration and and it transcends earthly wisdom. Because the earth, if something goes wrong, if somebody hurts you, what do you want to do? You basically want to run away. Just get away from it. Get away from me. God's love's not that way. But love is, a, is, is truly a gift, a gift given by God through the Holy Spirit. And every Christian is part of the spiritual body of Christ just as every part of the human body is important and divinely anointed. So every Christian is divinely gifted to serve as part of Christ's body. What are we? We're the hands and heart of Jesus, is what we are. Or that's what we should be. Now, Let's look, at our, let's look at the main scripture here in, in uh, Romans. Chapter eight, verses 12 through 17. It's, it, it, it talks about the, son, the sonship to God, but it also, it, it could very, very easily say the daughtership. Very easily. It reads starting in verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. But if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The real test for us when we become Christians, when we accept the Lord Jesus Christ, the real test for us is fighting the world keeping your feet out of the world. You can, never, you can never defeat the flesh as humans. We can't do it. But we can, through the help of the Holy Spirit, we can defeat the deeds of the flesh. And we need to fight those deeds. I think a good example... <coughs> We need to fight those deeds as Christians the same way Romans punish people with the same finalness. And how did the Romans punish people? Crucifixion. Crucifixion 
had three main points. Number one, it was personal. You, you, never, you never heard of any mass crucifixions. It was personal. One person paid the price for what they did. The second thing is just painful. It was probably the most cruel, as we've, as we've heard talked to us about, it was the most cruel form of punishment. I think even to this day, where you're, where you're stretched out on a cross, you're laid, you're, and you're there until you, and, and, and finally, it's merciless and pitiless because you're there till you die. There's no taking you down, giving you a drink of water, saying, okay, you had enough? No, you're there till you die. And if you're having trouble dying, the Romans helped you. They broke your legs. Well, we as Christians need to fight the deeds of the flesh in the same manner. We need to make it personal. We need, we need to, to sacrifice, be a little painful to get rid of some of the fleshly deeds that are in our lives. But it needs to be, but it needs to be pitiless and merciless because as the, as the scripture says, the only way that we're gonna inherit the spirit of God is to defeat those deeds. And you know, the only way those deeds can be defeated is through God's final part of his plan. When Jesus was on this earth and he was talking to the disciples about him going to die, what did he tell them? He said, I'm gonna to have to go away and, and, and prepare a mansion for you, but I'll come again. But I'll send a comforter. And that comforter is the Holy Spirit. If we take, when we, when we become a Christian, we take the Holy Spirit into us. It becomes part of us. It entwines our heart. And if we completely and totally commit to Jesus Christ, trust him for everything, the Holy Spirit is there to help us defeat the deeds of the flesh. <clears throat> he will give us the guidance to do what we can't do alone. And I say this because this, this particular part of, of this rings home to me so true. At nine years old, at nine years old, I accepted the Lord as my savior. And I don't doubt in my mind that I wasn't saved that day just because of, of what happened. But when I was saved, I knew Jesus came into my heart and I knew he forgave me. But I'm, as a lot of young Christians, sometimes we're not instructed on that there's more to salvation than, than just the, the believing part and the accepting part's the big part. That's the important part. But the other part that kind of gets away and slips away over time is how to stay constant, how to stay true. 
you know, and a lot of times we forget about, we, you know, once the, once the thrill of salvation is over and we're back in the world, we, we forget to ask the Holy Spirit to lead our lives. What is basically called being fully committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. And for 60 years, from nine years old to I'm 69 years old, that one principle I forgot. Because I spent more time trying to solve my own problems than going to God and letting him solve them, help me solve them for him. I had a, I had a lot of low spots. I had a lot of... But 60 years I wasted where I could have been doing something for the Lord, I wasted for, because of this right here. Because I, to be honest with you, I didn't know how to fight the deeds of the flesh. The only way that we can fight the deeds of the flesh is through the Holy Spirit. We've got to be committed and we've got to, we've got to pray about it every day. You know, because those, those temptations are going to come. And, and the, other, the other great gift of being, being the sonship of God, they talked about in these verses, and that's, that's we not, we, we're taken out of the family of Adam and we're put in the family of God. Every one of us, we all know, every one of us, when, we're, when, when, when our life starts, we're put in the book of life. I personally believe that that starts at conception. Because David said that the Lord knew him when he was in his mother's womb. So as soon as that child is conceived, Somebody says, well, how, and the thing that, the thing that, that kind of threw me was, well, how does God know what name to write in the book? You got to remember, it's God. He knows everything. He's going to know that child's name before the parents even figure out who, what they're going to call him. God knows. But, and when you become a Christian, when you become a Christian, then you're transferred out, you're your name is transferred over to the Lamb's book of life, which is, which is for eternal life, is a reward for trusting in the Lord. But you're adopted by God. You know, adoption is a Greek word. And the meaning is, is legally installed or placed as a son or daughter. as I said, Christians have been taken out of the family of Adam and put in the family of God through adoption, through trust in Jesus Christ. And as a Christian, as a Christian, being adopted by God, at that point, we become heirs of God. Some, that, was, that, that heir is permanent but a lot of it we won't realize until we get to heaven, until we die. 
But we also, I think the biggest part of this verse is we become joint heirs with Jesus Christ. When I was preparing this, that really made me think. Well, I thought, I said, what's the difference between heirs and joint heirs? Well, I found a story. An old minister told, gave an example. He said there was a farmer and he had a farm and he had four sons. He made these four sons the heir to his farm. When he died, the farm, they couldn't split the farm in four pieces. They, what they had to do was they had to break the farm up and give each of them 25%. But joint heirs, when he, when he died, all four sons became owners of that farm. The house was theirs, the barn was theirs, all the cattle was theirs. They all had ownership. When God adopted us, he, we became joint heirs with Christ. That means every, every reward Christ has, we as believers have the same thing. That's hard to, con- that's hard to conceive. But that's why in Revelations, when it talks about, whenever it talks about in heaven and, 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 and the final days, and the, and the saints are raptured, raptured, the church is raptured to heaven. Every time Jesus is talked about, the saints are talked about too. That's the church. They're with him everywhere. And that's, that's, that's a bigger gift. <laughs> that's, that's, that's unexplainable. Because why should God favor us? But because he loves us, because he loves us, he's done this for us. And I just think it's amazing how God, through his infinite wisdom, took his plan when man sinned against God, when Adam sinned, and, let, and, and God casted him out of the garden, God already had a plan in place. Jesus was ready to be part of that plan. The Holy Spirit was ready to be part of that plan on God's say, when God said it's time. The, and it, God, God created the, he created the plan. Jesus implemented the plan and the Holy Spirit works the plan with us every single day if we'll allow him. Every single day. And that the, the, uh, one of the things that, uh, let me find it real quick here. Yeah, this, this statement, as far as how important the Holy Spirit is, 
It says, we know God's plan is that Christians are to be conformed to the image of his son. He might be the firstborn among many brethren. It is not by our effort that we can live supernaturally like Jesus. Instead of naturally like fallen Adam. It is only through the work and the gifting of the Holy Spirit that the church and every Christian possesses the capability of reflecting the beautiful image of Christ to this fallen world. And that, that's, to have a God that loves us so much just blows me away. Knowing, knowing, knowing that, that old, if, if, if you really think about it, so undeserving, all of us, so undeserving. But because he loved us in a way that is beyond explanation, unconditional, he gives us the opportunity to come back to him through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Yeah, the, the, uh, there's a there's an old there's an old gospel song that's sung by probably my favorite gospel singer John Starnes and it's called Love Grew Where the Blood Fell and, it, and, and in that song he said love grew where the blood fell Flowers of hope sprung up for men in misery. Sin died where the blood fell. I'm so glad his precious blood covers me. That's all I got. <laughs> but I, but I, I it, it's, it's, it's a message that is reiterated and reiterated many times. But I just think it's so important because how can, we, how can we share the gospel with other people if we don't understand how it works in our lives? You know, and, and that's, the, that's the beauty of knowing that God loves us. He, he, he adopted us and all everything that... Everything that he has for Christians is, is ours. I told you he's going home early tonight. Choir practice, choir, choir practice may, get, uh, they may get some extra time tonight. It, does anybody, anybody have any questions? Anybody got anything they want to add? Go ahead, Tony. Good. Yeah, he, uh, I, I love the, I, I love the picture 
and in the final, in the final hours, when he said, it is finished, and he put his head down. And when he got to heaven, God told him, job well done. Sit down at my right hand. And his brother Shelby passed on a couple of weeks ago. Jesus sat down because his work was done. He was finished. And the Holy Spirit went to work. The Holy Spirit had come and he was going to be the spirit of God and Jesus on this earth to help us handle our problems each and every day. That's just every, every little thing that Christ did, every little thing that he did has so much meaning. None of it can just be looked over because it had so much meaning. That's, you got prayer requests? Yes, we can do that. That's, let's do that. There it is. Um, has everyone had an opportunity to see the clipboard, write the prayer request? Okay, we'll, we'll start with, with this one. This one over here is empty. Uh, Carol Gentry had a pacemaker installed this morning and uh, was doing well, but uh, after she got home, she started feeling bad and uh, went back to Stonecrest and they're gonna keep her overnight just for observation, make sure everything goes well there. Uh, we have a disabled vet in Smyrna that needs help moving. It needs to be done as soon as possible. If anyone can help, it won't be an all-day type thing, but if anyone can help, if you would contact Brandon Strickland, and um, he, will, he will tell you the, what, what you need to know about helping this fellow. Are there any other requests that we need to uh, bring out tonight? They've got three starred. Okay, let's see what we got here. Carol Gentry, we've already talked about. Patsy Chance, the mother of Mike Sparks, she fell and broke her wrist uh, yesterday. Uh, Tim Lines, we need to remember him. He's going through some health problems. Uh, one that is not on here, Madonna Fouth's uh, father passed away last night. So please keep uh, Bruce and Madonna and their family in your prayers. I don't have uh, any uh, information about uh, arrangements or anything like that. Any others that we need to bring up tonight? If not, let's go to the Lord in prayer. <clears throat> Most gracious Heavenly Father, as we humbly approach your throne tonight, Father, we just thank you so much for all the many blessings that you have bestowed on us and on our church here, Father. We thank you, Father, for a Bible-preaching pastor that we have, Father, that preaches your word and instructs us in how to obey it. We thank you, Father, for the layman, like Jack Cantrell here tonight, Father, that brought this wonderful message. It's a powerful message, Father. 
that we need to remember that your Holy Spirit is in us and with us at all times. We just have to recognize that, Father, and, and listen to him. We ask, Lord, that you would be with each one that's been mentioned here tonight. We pray, Lord, that you would uh, watch over them, just guide them and comfort them. Give them patience, Father, to get through anything that comes before them. We just ask this now, Lord, that you would guide, guard, and direct us in each and everything that we do. And we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.